Test one, two, test one, two. Um, Lord Jesus, first of all, we recognize that you're the only one that can bring healing to a broken heart. You're the only one that can bind up the, the wounds and set at liberty those that are captive and give sight to the blind. And Lord, we know that all of us were blind and broken and hurting and you came and you touched us and you began the process of transformation. It almost felt instantaneous because it was in the spirit. But the soul and the mind needed to be repaired. It needed to be not put in repair but totally transformed. And we are going to learn a little more about that and what are the hindrances to that today. But most of all, we want to lift you up and let you draw all men and women unto yourself. So, Father, I stand behind the cross and I ask you to teach, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. If you'll look at your seventh meeting sheet, these are some of the things that we want to accomplish. To know Satan's mental attack. We want to clarify that. We studied about Satan last week. Not last week, week before last. But we want to really hone in on how he attacks us and how he causes us to, to uh, believe something greater than, than the Lord himself. The, to know how he has operated historically through, through the scriptures. To know how unhealthy vulnerability can lead to deception. Uh, to understand how wounding plays a part in Satan's deceptive plan, and to recognize how an overpowering desire to be accepted can result in greater vulnerability, to know God's method of freedom from wounded, deceptive lies, and to understand the basic of transformation prayer ministry, to understand the difference between temptation and triggers, to submit to God by confession of sin and receiving forgiveness, and to understand what it is to surrender to the Lord Jesus. So that's what we're headed for today. And we're going to have to do a, a fast listening to get it covered, okay? Transformation by renewal of the mind, hope and freedom in Jesus Christ. That is our goal. That is our purpose for discipleship. And I didn't run off any of this, so there is extra paper over there if y'all want to take some notes. The battle for your mind. Satan cannot read your mind. You need to understand that only God is omniscient. That's all-knowing. He knows your thoughts before you think them. He knows Satan's lies before he shoots them, okay? But he has also made provision for all of that. For, for what Satan can do and what he cannot do. And what he cannot do is read your mind. He's a created being, not an all-knowing, all-present, all-powerful being. The exchange of information between man and angels is always through verbal communication. Let's understand that. When Gabriel appeared to Mary, when... Um, he appeared to Daniel, all of these were verbal communications, okay? Um, the surrender of uh, 
the sorcerers of Nebuchadnezzar, if you look in Daniel 2, they could not give the king's dream to him. See, the king didn't say, here's my dream, now interpret. The king said, what did I dream? And tell me the interpretation. Well, they can't read his mind. They didn't know what he dreamt. The demonic sources could not read the king's mind. Uh, Satan can affect our thought processes through the power of sin, flesh. That's in your flesh. He can affect it. And he bit, bit blinds the minds of unbelievers. 2 Corinthians 4, 3, and 4. If you'll look at that, I will read it to you. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, in whose case the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving so that they may not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. So this is after the cross, after the cross. So you can see the power that Satan does have after the cross. He blinds the minds of the lost so they cannot see. That's why we pray that God will open their eyes to the truth. When you're praying for a lost person, that's what you want to pray. Um, that they will see the truth the Lord Jesus Christ, the truth of God's word. Um, he has darkened the understanding, Ephesians 2, 1 through 3, and Ephesians 4, 17 through uh, 19. Ephesians 2, 1 through 3. And you were dead in your trespasses and sin, in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them we too all formerly lived, in the lust of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. And then in Ephesians four seventeen through 19, So this I say, and affirm together with the Lord, that you walk no longer just as the Gentiles always walked, in the futility of their mind, being darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of ignorance that is in them, because of the hardness of their heart. And they, having become callous, have given themselves over to sensuality for the practice of every kind of impurity with greediness." Are we seeing that today? And then in, uh, communicates false doctrine. He communicates false doctrine to them. Second um, Corinthians eleven thirteen through fifteen. For such men are false apostles, deceitful workers, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. No wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. Therefore, it is not surprising if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness, who in will be according to their deeds. Is this happening today? Yes, yes, it's happening today. Big time happening, and I could name names, but I won't. And there was, every year, I shared this with y'all, I believe, 
in the past, every year, every 10 or 15 or 20 years, a doctrine of demons comes around. And that doctrine of demons is that God is a God of love and he will not send anyone to hell. Everyone will be saved. Even Lucifer will be restored. Satan will be restored to his fullness. That's a lie. God spoke seven times more about hell than he did about heaven. Warning us, warning us, warning us. Galatians 1.8 says, But even if we are an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to what we have preached to you, he is to be accursed. Now what is the gospel? Let's go over it. For all have sinned. How many? All. And come short of the glory of God. You mean there's actual sin? Because the false gospel is there is no sin. There is no hell. Hell is what you make it here on earth. Our heaven is what you make it here on earth. This is being preached. You've got to be all you can be. God wants you to be rich. He wants you to be healthy. He wants you to be wise. Mm -hmm. Happy, happy, happy. Right. First, the issue is holiness. First Timothy 4.1. But the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, explicitly says that in latter times some will fall away from the faith, paying attention to deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons. Now, before you get worried that you've done that, in 1 John it says, uh, not in this one, but it says that the Spirit of God is in you, and you need no man to teach you. He will guide you into all truth. I'm blending scriptures together. So you know when you hear something that isn't right, don't you? And it's not because you know everything. It's because he knows everything, and he's in you, and he's saying, nope, nope, something's wrong here. Go back to the second class on what is truth. Beloved, 1 John 4, 1 through 3, Do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. Every false teaching is demonstrated through how they handle Jesus Christ. Mormonism falls short. Jehovah Witnesses fall short. It is not the Christ that we know in those two religions. New Age, a, the Christ spirit invaded Mary's body. And there are many Christ spirits, Buddha, uh, Muhammad, etc., etc. No, no, no. Test the spirit. Does it show that Jesus Christ was all God and all man? He literally came from the egg of Mary and the sperm of God. He was not an invader from outer space. All of this will be taught, has been taught, and will come again. Be prepared. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is 
is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, of which you have heard that is coming and now is already in the world. Define Antichrist for me. Anti means against. Actually, it doesn't. It means over against. In this, in the use of Antichrist, it is, here's Christ, and then here's one over against him that is counterfeiting who he truly is. If I build a store on the corner over there, like there is one right now, on the other corner I build the same kind of store, that is an anti-store to that store. It's like it. It may even serve the same stuff, but it isn't that store. You got it? And that's the Antichrist. He presents himself as Christ, but it's over and against Christ, a counterfeit Christ. Got it? Satan can affect our thought process. Again, let's look at uh, how he impacts the thoughts of believers. In Acts 5, 1 through 3, and I didn't look it up, he prompts Ananias to lie to the Holy Spirit. Y'all remember that? He lied to Peter, which in essence was lying to God. Not that Peter was God, but he was an authority God had placed, and the Holy Spirit was there, and the Holy Spirit was there when Ananias and Sapphari came up with their proposition. Oh, we want to be included, so we're going to sell everything, but we're going to hold back some of the money. They could have done that. It was their money. But then they lied and said, oh, we're giving it all. You see? And what happened to Ananias and Sapphira? They dropped dead at the moment. And Peter said, why have you lied to the Holy Spirit? So it was serious. People want to return to the church of the Acts. Do you really? How many of us have lied to the Holy Spirit? I'm going to do this, but then something more convenient comes or something better comes, and I don't do this. Thank God we're under grace now, and God forgives that. But he was setting up his church, and it had to be set up on a firm foundation. You don't lie to the Holy Spirit. He moved David in 1 Chronicles 21, 1 and 2. He moved David to consider his own strength rather than the strength of the Lord. Had David in the past depended upon the strength of God? Yes. He killed that giant with a stone right here. The only place that stone could have hit. Now, David was an expert at throwing stones. So it wasn't that he didn't have a part in it, but that could have been off a little bit and it had hit the helmet and bounced off. Who guided that stone? God. But here David says, you know, I'm doing pretty good. Let me number the people. And God had forbidden him to do that because he did not want David depending on his own strength. Now I'm going to get to meddling. Do we ever depend on our own strength, our own ability, our own way to figure it out? And how are the results, ladies? 
What if you succeed? Hmm. Boy, I did it. Yeah. <laughs> and here comes the pooch, the fall. No, you didn't do it. Don't depend on your own strength. Depend upon the Lord. Peter to Jesus about his death in Matthew 16, 23. Oh, no, Lord, you're not going to go to the cross. Don't even think it. Get behind me, Satan. Get behind me, Satan. Don't tempt me not to go to the cross. That's for which I have come. Believers being inspired by worldly wisdom rooted in jealousy and ambition. James 3, 14, 15, and 4, 7. If you haven't read James lately, I didn't bring my Bible. It's on my desk. If you hadn't read James lately, please read it. Go back and look at it. Worldly wisdom. We who are trained, especially if you come from a home where there was a lot of rejection, your senses are greatly trained to pick up on the atmosphere. You learn how to read people very well and the, the clues that they give off. Okay? Is that from God? No. That is worldly, worldly wisdom. What did you say? Reading my mail. Uh-huh. So the whole issue here is to, Lord, I think I see something here. What do you want me to know? Okay, James uh, 3, 14 says, But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, do not be arrogant and so lie against the truth. This wisdom is not that which comes down from above, but is earthly, natural, demonic. Whoa. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exists, there is disorder and every evil thing. Check your motive as you make discernment we Christians call take a godly word discernment and apply it to worldly wisdom make sure it's true discernment and not your observations from your past okay and then in uh, 4 7 it says submit therefore to God Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Eight says, draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Oh, what is it to be double-minded? I read through nine there. What is it to be double-minded? Well, is it God? Is it Satan? Is it true? Is it false? Do I go this way? Do I go that way? Which way do you go? What does the scripture say? Don't go to the left. Don't go to the right. Go straight ahead. Follow Jesus. Let their wisdom be from above, from him. Okay? Now, I know uh, Renee said I was reading her mail. Why do you think I know this? <laughs> I was highly trained in worldly wisdom. Self-trained. 
to survive. Okay? So now when God gives me discernment, I got to say, hmm, is that you, Lord? We'll see. What is my motive? Let's check my motive. Am I jealous? Am I ambitious? Did you get that one about ambition? Do I want to be somebody? Let me tell you, you don't want to be somebody's answer. You don't want to be somebody's salvation. You want to point to Jesus. That's our job. Okay? Let's look at some more. Satan can affect our thoughts and impact the thoughts of believers. Believers being inspired by worldly wisdom rooted in jealousy and ambition. I did that one. Believers being led away from devotion to Christ. 2 Corinthians 11.3. Somebody finds it before me. I'll let you read it. I thought I had put all this on here, but I hadn't. 2 Corinthians 11.3. But I am afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, your minds will be led astray from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. What can you get devoted to above Christ? Come on, let's make this real. Self-help books. Self-help books. Self-self-help. Advice from friends. Advice from friends. What else? Money, relationships, things. Mm-hmm. I followed this teacher. You followed that teacher? Something's wrong here. You don't have the whole gospel. You don't have the whole truth. Anybody ever heard that? Devotion to a teacher. Devotion to friends. Devotion to relationships. Whatever makes me feel complete. Does it really make you complete, those things? Will they possibly fail you? Yes. God guarantees it. I had a teacher once, and just like a brand new Christian, oh, I hung on every word. I was at her feet, da-da-da, da-da-da. And she finally said, she said, Joanne, don't put me on a pedestal. When you put me on a pedestal, God has to pull it out from under me, and it hurts. Don't put me up there. Okay? Satan and demons use deception to make you think they can read minds. Somebody read Acts 16, 16, and 17. They use deception. As we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and brought her owner's much gained by fortune-telling. She followed Paul and us, crying out, These men are the servants of the Most High God who proclaim to you the way of salvation. Okay. Satan knows the Bible, friends. And he'll quote it. If y'all need more paper, here's some. He will quote it in order to deceive to deceive. Now Paul got aggravated with her after a couple of days. Is that what it says? Mm -hmm. He put up with it for a while. And then he kicked the demon out. And all hell broke loose when he did that. 
He ends up getting beaten and put in prison. Because those people made a lot of money off that lady. Here is a very definite thing I want you to remember. Satan speaks in first person. The fiery darts that he sends to your brain, he's never going to say, Jackie, you, or Joanne, you. He's going to say, I. Do you understand? And, or, he's going to take that bony finger, his demon, and press one of your old tapes, a trigger, or a temptation, press one of the old tapes that people have said over you, and maybe you agreed with and said about yourself. Those are the two things I have discovered. There's probably more. But those are the things I've discovered. How does it make you feel when you hear that? When you hear one of those, I'm just a horrible mother. I have to spank him and spank him and spank him. I just feel like I spank him all the time. I'm such an awful mother. How do you feel when you hear that? Less than a person. Less than a person. Condemned. Satan condemns or puffs up with pride. Those are his two main instruments. So when you hear those old tapes in first person, don't assume it's you. Assume it's him if it's condemning. This is an assumption I want you to make. If I have a condemning thought, now, condemning means whew, heaviness, no hope in it, okay? It comes from the pit of hell, even if it's in first person. Do we have that? If I have a convicting thought from God, what's in it that's different from the condemnation? Hope. hope. Usually it's not a put-down. It's, honey, you messed up here. Yes, Lord, I really did. That's confession. Mm -hmm. You're agreeing with your father about sin. That's what confession is. And it has hope in it. And you get to get rid of it, you see, when you confess it. All right. Unhealthy vulnerability can lead to deception. And there are two, I think two, I don't remember. In the immaturity of legalism. When you first get saved, I was an adult. And I knew about what I ought to do. Because I had been trained as a little child by Sunday school in different places. My grandmother, my grandmother would say this to me. She raised me from about three years old to five. My mother and I lived there when she divorced my dad. And she'd say, now, honey, be real good so you can come be with me in heaven. Now, how does that sound? That sounds good, doesn't it? Oh, yes, yes, Mama, I'm going to be real good. We called her Mama Gummery. She was Montgomery. We called her Mama Gummery. I said, I'm going to be real good so I can be with you in heaven. Okay? How'd that work? 
<laughs> when sin lives in me, when in my nature is sin, because I'm a kid, spoiled rotten kid to, to boot. But in the immaturity of, of legalism, we want to live by external guidelines or rules. Just tell me the rules. I had one come to me recently. Just give me the rules. I said, God is not rule. It's relationship. If you follow him, you'll keep the rules that he wants you to keep. But as an immature person, I really think I can keep the rules. If you haven't heard Sam's sermon on covenant number three, part three, listen to it. Because he really, I've just gotten it on, on the internet, opendoorla.org. He really goes into how the law affects a Christian. Okay? So, really, go listen to that. I can't fix it any better. You never have to. You never have to bring your mind under the bridle of God when you live by rules. Just follow the rules. Do you all know anybody like that? How do you like being around them? Do you ever attain what they want? No. It just gets higher and higher and higher. I remember... Uh, Mom, I'm sorry, but i got to use you. I remember when I was in college, and I would make mostly A's but a few B's. And I got married, and Mama says, you can't get married, you're going to flunk out. <laughs> well, I probably would have had to fail the last semester totally to flunk out, but anyway. So I made straight A's the last semester when I got married, and I threw it at her. Of course, I'm lost. Now what do you want? And you know what she said? Why didn't you do that all along? <laughs> See the rules? The rules. You can't reach righteousness or completion by keeping the rules. However, I would rather you be my neighbor that kept the rules than those that didn't. Which goes to a scripture somewhere. <clears throat> that says who the rules are for. Results. What are the results? Okay, let's go back to number two here. You never have to bring your mind under the bridle of God. That's an interesting term. What is a bridle used for? Guide. To guide, to turn, to go where to submit. The, the rider wants it to go. Mm -hmm. To submit, to follow his lead. You got that? So if I live in, under immaturity of legalism, the results are going to be turmoil inside and a decreased self-worth. Always. Can't ever be anything else. Let's look at Exodus 20, 18 and 19, where the rules were really given. Now all the people witnessed something. God says, y'all get cleaned up and come to the mountain. I want to talk to you. Not just Moses, all the people. So now all the people witnessed the thundering, the lightning flashes, the sound of the trumpet, and the mountain smoking. And when the people saw it, they trembled and stood afar off. 
Then they said to Moses, You speak with us, and we will hear. But let not God speak with us, lest we die. Now, why do you want to hear what God has to say through a person rather than God straight on? You can reject it if you want. You can reject it if you want. That's your opinion. Or did you really hear from God? You see? That's why when we do transformation prayer ministry, I want you to hear from God for two reasons. God knows you. I don't know you. God knows what you need. I don't always know what you need. Lots of times don't want to know what you need. But God, when he speaks, it gives you the power to do what he's telling you to do. That's the difference. When a teacher teaches you, they can be an anointed teacher and teaching the truth of God, but if God's power isn't in it, there will be no change in you. That's called a rhema word. God's word to you at this time. Okay? Exodus 24, 3. So Moses came and told the people all the words of the Lord, and all the people answered, all the words which the Lord has said we will do. Oh, yeah? Sure you will. But let's look at what happened now. Go to Hebrews 12. Please write this one down. 18 through 25. In light of the smoking Sinai to this one. For you have not come to the mountain that may be touched and that burned with fire and to blackness and darkness and tempest and the sound of a trumpet and the voice of words so that those who heard begged that the word should not be spoken to them anymore. Remember how frightened they were? But you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly of the firstborn who are registered in heaven, to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of just men made perfect in Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than that of Abel. See that you do not refuse him who speaks. Now, we don't go to the rule mountain. We go to the living God, the Mount Zion, the new Jerusalem. And you, who did... Let's unfold some of this verbiage. Who is the assembly of the firstborn? Who's the assembly of the firstborn? Who was the firstborn? Jesus Christ. He is the first. Read Romans 8, 28 and 29. All things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose that he who foreknew you, predestined you to be conformed to the image of his dear son. Where is my Bible? Who is the firstborn. Now you got it? Who's the firstborn? Jesus, so that he may have many brothers and sisters. Many brethren. 
So the assembly of the firstborn is all the spirit of just men made perfect in Christ. Made perfect in who? Not in themselves or keeping the rules, but in Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant. You are in the new covenant, so you have been made perfect. There isn't more perfection to be attained. Well, why do we have all this junk in our head? I just told you. It needs to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Okay? But if you drop dead right now, you're perfect. If you're in Christ. You all have your bookmarks. I gave them to you. See the perfection there? You're perfect. You're complete. You're significant. You're secure. You're in Christ. But you see, God isn't wanting you to die for him, per se, though some of us will. He's wanting you to live for him. And he wants to live in you, through you, with you, to display to this world Christ, to get heaven on earth. That's why we're here. That's why we're here. If you haven't read Hebrews lately, read it. But read it with a concordance so you can go back and see what it's talking about. Woundedness. The immaturity of legalism is a vulnerability that makes me more uh, vulnerable to deception. And the second one is woundedness. I love this scripture. Isaiah 42, 3 and 4, A. A bruised reed he will not break, and a smoking flax he will not quench. He will bring forth justice for truth. He will not fail nor be discouraged. Now, what is he talking about? What is a bruised reed? Little boys... I'm sure David had one. Little shepherd boys would go where the reeds grew by the river and they would cut them and they would whittle them out and make flutes out of them. Pan pipes, flutes. Well, when you're doing a reed, you can easily bruise it or split it, okay? So instead of keep working with that thing, they just throw it away and go cut another one and be a little more careful in the process. So you got the bruise reed? Has anybody stepped on you? Have you ever been crushed by someone? Have you been abused by someone? You are bruised reed. God does not cast you out. He reworks that and makes beautiful music. He will not break it. And a smoking flax, he will not quench. I didn't bring my little lamp, but a lamp that they had, sometimes just a clay bowl, they put olive oil in it, and they put a wick, and it was made out of flax, which is a form of, of uh, something that grows that you can make clothing out of and wicks out of. 
Well, the woman's job in the home was to keep the flax trimmed. Because if you let it burn down and didn't keep it trimmed and lit, it would smoke up the house. Has any of you ever stunk up your life? Mm -hmm. You've let the fire go out, the fire of the Holy Spirit. It's been quenched by deceitfulness of riches and cares of the world. And the fire has gone out and it's smoking up. You haven't trimmed it. Smoking up your life. Here's good news. And a smoking flax he will not quench. He will not take it out, turn the fire off, and throw it away. In Isaiah, he's telling you this. In very poetic terms. You can't sin so great that God's love is not greater still. You can't. And then he says, he will bring forth justice for truth. He will not fail nor be discouraged. God's not going to be discouraged in working with you, and he is not going to fail you. But he also doesn't want you to be discouraged when you fail or to give up on yourself. Do we understand that? Because that is a big deal, folks. Because we will fail. We live in this clay body, and we walk with feet of clay. And we're going to make mistakes. And we're going to be deceived. And we're going to believe lies, especially if we've been wounded. How do we get wounded? Self-inflicted or others-inflicted? Okay? It results, woundedness results in the lowering of the shield of faith. When I am wounded and I begin to believe that my wounds are too great for God to heal, I have lowered the shield of faith against that lie. And I have taken into myself a deceiving doctrine. And I go down. It predeposes me, when I lower that shield of faith, it predeposes me to doubt rather than belief and faith. And what I've been trying to teach now, as I have learned some more, is that belief can be belief in something that is untrue, that is faith in a lie. Our belief can be what is true, and that's faith in the truth. So you can believe opposing things at the same time. That's double-mindedness. Here's one. I know God will provide all of my needs according to his riches in heaven. But I don't have any money in the bank, and the bills are due. Now that's two opposing beliefs. I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know where the money's coming from, because it never just stops with that. So I am predisposed to doubt. I know you say that, Lord, but I must have not done it perfectly enough so you would open the windows of heaven. Hello? Now, I've stumbled back into legalism. i got to do it perfectly in order for God to bless me. 
You know, the disciples thought that. Here's this blind man. Jesus, who sinned, him or his parents? He looks at him like, what? Neither, but for the glory of God. Oh. See, if I'm not being blessed, then there must be something wrong. And then we see the opposite from the disciples when the rich young ruler comes. And he goes away crestfallen because he had many riches and wouldn't do what Jesus said. And the disciples look at Jesus, then who can be saved? I mean, this kid's got it all together. If he can't be saved, who can be saved? Hello? Do they think they might have needed their brains transformed a little? Yes. Chosen by God, going to build the church of God, but in need of transformation, just like us. It predisposes to doubt rather than the belief in faith. And we need to call for the body of Christ when there is woundedness. Let's look at this. Oh, there's the scriptures. <laughs> Here's one I really want you to hear, my sweet friends. Hebrews 12, 12 and 13. Body of Christ, strengthen the hands which hang down and the feeble knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be dislocated, but rather be healed. Body of Christ, come alongside. Those hands that can't praise, those hands that can't pray, lift them up. Just like, what was his name with Moses? Aaron and, I never can remember the other one who held the, held the thing up with Moses on top of the hill. We are to strengthen those whose hands hang down. Body, come, do your job. And how about the feeble knees? Have you ever been so weak you couldn't stand in the armor of God? And do, and do all to stand? Body, come around, Michelle. Help strengthen those knees. And then make the path straight. Boy, we understand potholes, right, ladies? We live in Louisiana. I finally paved Merida and Sam's road in St. Landry. What a mess that road was. You had to drive like this to avoid going into a sinkhole. They weren't even potholes. Don't tell them, just get up and read your Bible and follow Jesus. No, you got to help them. I hear you, Lord. you got to help them follow Jesus. You got to stand with them. You got to walk. Don't don't step here, baby. There's a hope. Let's go this way. You see? So that what is lame may not be dislocated. If I push somebody who is lame down a road of legalism, just believe God. Just read your Bible. Just go to church, and they can't turn over in bed then God can't help me either. I can't do what he wants me to do. <sighs> Has anybody ever been there? Because I have. 
Thank God I had the body of Christ come and pick me up. I had a solution to some of my woundedness, and that solution was I was going to divorce my husband. I had three little babies. I was working in Hines County Emergency Room, one of the busiest ones in the state of Mississippi. God put me with three divorcees, and I'm talking divorce. Well, I had two very strong Christian friends. One of them was at, Susie, was at uh, TPM training. And she said, Joanne, when you get off work today, don't go pick up the kids at daycare. Come here. I want to talk to you. I walk in the house, and there sits the lady that I so wanted to be like that her and her husband led me to Christ, my mentor. And Susie, she said, sit down right here. I said, what you doing here, Donna? She said, I'm praying. I'm not talking. I said, okay. What you want, Susie? She said, Joanne, I've been hearing vomit come out of your mouth. You're going to divorce your husband. What does God say, think about that? He was a godly man. There was no reason to divorce my husband. It just wasn't working the way I wanted it to work. She said, now either change or we're fellowship is broke. I looked at Donna. I said, you agree with that? She said, absolutely. Oh. See, God says after the second or third admonition, which I was getting from them, don't even eat with them. Let them go. So what happened to Joanne? She got beat red angry, didn't curse out at that point, <laughs> but left in a hurry. You could hear the, the tires squealing. And on the way home, God spoke to me. He said, you see what divorce is like? Remember what you're working with? Hmm? Yes, Lord. They're right. What are you going to do about it? I'm sorry. And I called them and I apologized and I thanked them for being tough. Top love. Necessary. So sometimes it's necessary for the word to be hard in order to correct the walk from people that care. Now, I'm going to tell you, it takes someone who really loves you to do that. Is that right? Mm -hmm. Oh, honey, it's okay. Yeah, divorce may be the only answer. Uh -huh. That isn't love. Not when he's a godly man who is struggling. You know, he's not an abuser. He's, he, if you met Tom Buckley, he's agape. Is that right, ladies? Yes. He oozes agape. Sam, my pastor, told me, he said, Joanne, you know why so many people love you? I said, I don't think so many people love me, but okay. <laughs> he said, because you need a lot of love. <laughs> and so God gave me agape to love, <laughs> to love me. Amen. If you can believe all things are possible to him who believes, God says. Mark 9, 23b and 24b. Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. How many times have you prayed that? 
If you haven't, you're not getting real with Jesus. I do believe that you'll provide all my needs, Lord. But Lord, help my unbelief. Get rid of it. Show me yourself any way you want. And sometimes, uh, Babby Mason sung a song, I love it so much. When you can't see his hand, trust his heart. Sometimes you don't see the move of God's hand because he wants you to trust him, his character, his heart. Got it? You need to call for the body of Christ, James 5, 7. If anyone among you is suffering, now that's more than physical health. Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing psalms. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another, and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. If you read it in another translation, it may say, confess your faults. Sometimes you need to tell somebody to get it from running around in your head. So one of the things you're going to do in your assignments, we'll talk about it in a minute, but we're going to address this, confessing our sins. Not necessarily to each other. That should be done privately in a, in a session, a prayer session with very trusted, mature people. But alone with the Lord. Here's the third thing that leads to vulnerability and may lead to deception. An overpowering desire to be accepted. If you are full of rejection, you are constantly looking for acceptance. Okay? You cannot go through a divorce as a child or a divorce as an adult or a loss of a parent by death or something else without feelings of a rejection or abandonment. Okay? That happens. It comes with the grief of the loss. But some of us have a true root of rejection that gets built on and built on and built on by the circumstances and people in our lives. Okay? I had such a root of rejection. Tom used to tell me, he said, Joanne, I don't understand. I didn't understand why you had so much rejection because you, you performed. You see? People with roots of rejection, they either become high performers or giver-uppers in the gutter. Now, there's in-between. But a lot of times, those are the two extremes. And he said, I never understood until I got around some relatives of yours that was so hypercritical. And I understood where that rejection came from. 
And as an adult, if you have that root and God has done a lot of work, but you're around critical people, it's in your flesh, okay? Not in your spirit, but in your flesh. And the temptation is to believe the rejection again, okay? Sometimes the rejection isn't even real. It's perceived. A child is left with a babysitter because mother has to go to the doctor, and she never leaves the child with the babysitter. But today she has to go. The child feels rejected because she can't go with her. You see? It's a perception, but it can also be very real. It's result from training in conditional love or performance-based acceptance. When we are trained, I love you, but, okay, whatever you hear after the but is what they really believe. I love you, but. You really shouldn't do that. You really shouldn't. Don't ever do that. Don't ever preface something with I love you, but, okay? Conditional love is dependent upon performance. And it's creeped into the church. It's called performance-based spirituality. If I teach a class, if I take care of the nursery, if I do whatever they want me to do, then I will be a good Christian and be loved. And how do I know if I have performance-based spirituality? Well, they never mention me in the bulletin. <laughs> They never thank me publicly. Hello. It's results of exposure to Phariseeism. Any of you ever been exposed to Phariseeism? When Tom and I moved back here after we got saved in a spirit-filled Sunday school class, saw miraculous things happening, I had a tendency to be attracted to the law. I'm a young Christian. I just want to keep the rules because I was full of rejection. My mind had not been totally renewed. And it's still in process, but anyway. So when we moved here, you know, Tom really needs to straighten up. <laughs> and my kids aren't going back into public schools. we got to find a Christian school. Well, there wasn't a Westminster here. And we ended up in a hard-shell Baptist church with a Christian school. Women can wear pants. <laughs> Boy, that, that got me. And we didn't even pray with the men. The men prayed separately. It's called Phariseeism. Huge Phariseeism. Because... He needed breaking. He needed the rules. See, you project on others what really is happening in you. I needed to be broken of legalism, so God put me there. And about that time, Sam and them move here to start a new church, and they come to visit the school to see if that's where they want to put their children. And I saw the Spirit in both of them. And I recognized it, because that's where I had been born again, in Spirit-filled Baptist Church. 
Sunday school class. <laughs> and it was like a drink of water. They didn't say anything. The spirit in me was so thirsty and hungry. They were just... <sighs> so I eased over there and said, Oh, you know who's coming to speak here in the different churches? Because I knew they would know them. And I was like, yeah. And then I, find, I, I would find out where they were preaching, and all hell was breaking through in this little church that we were in. And so Tom and I, Tom finally said, that's it. We're out. And Tom and I were at the first sermon that Sam preached here in that little church. And the first thing I asked him privately, okay, what do you say about drinking? Because <laughs> you always get them with that one. And if he said grape juice, that's it. He's not it either. <laughs> that was always my thing. <laughs> and so he gave me the right answers that I needed. But I could see the spirit. I could see love. Because if there was one thing they did, they loved. Isn't fair, Phariseeism is kind of, it's divisive. It's... To me, it's like a bunch of rules and re regulations, but it's it's divisive. Whereas the spirit mm -hmm. is Uni more unif is unifying. unifying. In Phariseeism, you were either um, one of them or yeah. one of them. Yeah. Yeah. See, and you really can never be one of them because the harder you try to be one of them, they keep raising the bar. Right. They keep raising the bar. All legalism does that. The results of true or perceived rejection, abandonment, neglect or favoritism, abuse, physical, sexual, emotional, and spiritual. Those are at the heart of rejection. When my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take care of me. Psalms 27.10. There's the answer to their rejection. Psalms 27.10. Hear it. Because who are the two people that are really supposed to take care of you? Your parents. They're the first representatives of God. And they're very imperfect. Because I am imperfect as a parent. You, all of us are imperfect. Isaiah 49, 15, and 16. Can a woman forget her nursing child and not have compassion on the son of her womb? Surely they may forget, yet I will not forget you. See, I have inscribed you on the palms of my hands. Covenant. Your name in the covenant is inscribed on the palm of his hand. He kept the scars of covenant. When he looks at that, he says, Beth Ann, Renee, Jackie, Terry, Keisha, Joanne, my covenant people, my children. Who shall separate us from the love of God, love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Romans 8, 35, 38, and 39. For I'm persuaded that neither death nor life, that's the one that got me, 
The trials, the troubles of life cannot separate me from the love of God. And he is a perfect parent. He is a perfect God. Nor angels, nor principalities, or nor powers. The, the demon hell cannot separate you from God. They can lie to you and try to deceive you, but they cannot separate you from the love of God. Nor things present. What's happening right now? Look at your world. Nor things to come. It's going to get worse nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And where are you? In Christ Jesus our Lord. Sealed by the Holy Spirit. In God. That's where you are. You are safe. Galatians 3, 1 through 3. O oh, foolish Christian Galatians, who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth? This only I want to learn from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law? No. Or by hearing of faith? Yes. Are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, are you now being made perfect by the flesh? That's pretty clear, isn't it? That performance-based spirituality needs to be flushed. You're accepted. Look at your bookmark. You are accepted in the beloved. You are perfect in Christ. You are complete in Christ. You are absolutely significant. For in Christ, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but faith working through love. Galatians 5.4 they were insisting that the Christians, the Gentile Christians, be circumcised. They were called Judaizers. They haunted Paul. They were a thorn in his flesh. He would go and preach grace and the gospel of Christ, and they'd come behind and say, yeah, but you got to keep the law. They're still here. But now it's different. You don't see a lot of law keepers except in Islam. And hard, hard shell stuff, Pentecostalism, other stuff, hard shell Baptist, whatever. But license, you see it everywhere. We got to love everybody. What do you mean they can't get married if they love each other Then happen to be of the same sex? Where's your Christianity? Mm-hmm. When God says in 1 Corinthians, they will not inherit the kingdom of God. So I'm going to support them in that, knowing it's going to send them to hell if that's their identity. It's not what they do. Homosexuals can be saved. I don't even like using that term. People who commit homosexual acts can be saved. But the problem, the deception of the devil is that's who they are. That's their identity. You see? He's always going to hit your identity with his deception. Because if that's my identity, then God made me that way. So God has to accept it. And you have to accept it. That's not their identity. What is their identity? In Adam... Are, are in Christ. 
Because Paul says in that 1 Corinthians letter, such were some of you. Some of you were murderers. But God, in His great mercy, brought you out. It's not the unpardonable sin, people. The problem is the deception. Christian, danger of deception. Receive false teaching or experiences. Remember I told you Eve had an experience when she pulled that apple off and took a bite? She had an experience. Ephesians 1.6 To the praise of the glory of His grace by which He has made us accepted in the Beloved. I like it in King James because it uses the term accepted in the Beloved. He has made you acceptable. He killed the old you. Put you on the cross in Christ. Buried you. And then resurrected you, the new creation in Christ. So he made you acceptable and accepted you. This is for Christians. You are not acceptable if you're still in Adam. That's why you must be born again. Therefore, receive one another just as Christ also received us to the glory of God. Romans 15, 7. I am to receive you who name the name of Christ and I see fruit. I am to receive you as if I'm receiving Christ. That doesn't mean that I'm not to speak the truth to you in love. I am. And you are. Okay? In love. Not Phariseeism. Not legalism. A war they loved me enough to speak the truth to me. Joanne, I've warned you and warned you and warned you, and you're still headed down that road. Now we're breaking fellowship with you until you come to your senses about divorcing Tom. Okay? It was like ice water. It woke me up. I was in a drunken stupor of worldly wisdom. And I was getting some prompting from other people who saw money and success as the epitome of what a husband is. Wrong. I had hoped and prayed somebody would do that with my husband. Right. I know. It's very hard for men to correct men like that. Now, here's the answer. Submit to God, therefore. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. James 4, 7. Surrender all. In your papers is a declaration of surrender. We're not going to do it now. You're going to do it alone with God, and I'll explain it in a few minutes. Do you all want a break? Okay, let's take a break. I want to introduce you to Transformation Prayer Ministry. Um, everybody in here except Terry has experienced uh, going through a transformation prayer. 
just to go over it a little bit, it's using the present pain to reveal the wounds of the past, recognizing that present problems with the extreme painful or sinful responses have their origins in the past. God has made provision for our healing and freedom in Jesus Christ, who brings it to us personally by his word, his rhema word, in our painful memory. Um, there's longer definition I'll get to in a minute, but the basic thing is what's happening in the presence. I call it sunburn of the soul. When somebody touches something that triggers back to the past and your emotions overload. Now, emotions can overload two ways. You can feel a lot of emotion or you can go numb, totally shut down numb. Both of those are a result of something painful from the past coming into the present, all of the emotion from it coming into the present. Uh, you see it a lot in road rage. When a person is cut off, that is not what they're angry about. That is the trigger of their anger. Somebody has cut me off before. Somebody has really rejected me. Somebody has done me wrong. And here, this guy's going to get it. In marriages, you see it all the time. They may be having trouble with the boss, and they come home and kick the dog and scream at the kids and, you know, are shut down totally and won't communicate with anybody. And, you know, all of, all of the different symptoms of that. Tom and I had a, a real issue when we first got married. First of all, we weren't saved for seven years, so it was a lot of junk. But um, he's quiet. It was the thing that attracted me, his quiet strength. The thing that attracted me became the thing that irked me because <laughs> he wouldn't communicate, okay? And so he would come in, and he would be, hmm. And I, I finally got to the point of saying, are you tired? Are you upset? Do you just want to be quiet? Do you want to talk? He said, I'm just really tired. I just need to chill. I said, okay. And back off. But before the healing, he was mad at me. He was cutting me off. It was all about me. See? That was my stuff, my rejection. My solution is to confront. Well, let's get it out on the table. What have I done wrong? Da 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 da. So I can do it right. Right? See? Different personalities. We're going to study that next week. So when you have emotional overload or numbness, you need to understand where it's coming from. Now, let me define it a little more according to Ed Smith. TPM, our Transformation Prayer Ministry, it used to be called Theophostic, but we've changed the name. He's changed the name. It's an intentional and focused prayer with the desired outcome of an authentic encounter with the presence of Christ. We are not transformed by intellectual knowledge. We are transformed by 
experiential knowledge from the Lord or a rhema word, God's word to you in that situation at that time for your benefit. That's the rhema word, R-H-E-M-A. We see that word in faith cometh by hearing and by the rhema of Christ or the word of God. It's either way. Transformation prayer is a ministry of prayer that is Christ-centered and God-reliant for its direction and outcome. I don't direct it, or the, the facilitator doesn't direct it. We follow the direction of the Lord. Simply stated, it's encouraging a person to discover and expose what he believes that is a falsehood and then encouraging him to have an encounter with Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit in prayer, thus allowing the Lord to reveal his truth to the wounded person's heart and mind. Simply stated, it's... Um, wait, what did I do? Simply stated, it is encouraging a person to discover and expose what he believes that is a falsehood. That's the big deal. What is your belief? Now, we've, we've even eliminated lie and falsehood. Just what are you believing here when we do the transformation prayer? And they go to a memory, and they have all this emotion. They follow the emotion to the memory, and a belief will come up. Usually that belief is centered around two different things, and I don't have it on here. It's around identity, core identity belief, our state of being. Now, what does that mean? I'm evil. I'm dirty. I'm no good. That's core belief, right? I'm a failure. I, I, I. That's core belief. State of being. I'm going to die. I'm, I, I can't breathe. I'm, I'm in danger. See, state of being. Um, the spirit, the Holy Spirit, uh, uh, the Lord reveals His truth to the wounded person's heart and mind. I put that on that tongue. Unless a person encounters Christ through His Holy Spirit, his or her life will not change. Genuine transformation is a work of Christ in us, and the outcome of our own and not the outcome of our own performance. The scripture says that we are changed from glory to glory. How? When we behold him. You behold Christ in that situation. See, God is able. He's not constrained by time. We are constrained by time. It's a creation of God. Do you understand that? He's eternal. He's outside of time. So it's no problem for him to go into a memory with you and reinterpret it. Not change it. The memory is not the problem. The lie in the memory is what's causing the problem now. And when he reinterprets it with truth, that area is done, transformed. You don't have to maintain it by throwing scripture at it. It's done. 
Now, if there's a lot of lie-based thinking, it may be the same lie repeated. And so when it's done there, it's done all these places too. But if it's a different belief, that's still there. So that has to be addressed. Feelings generally match what one believes. Transformation Prayer Ministry believes a person's present emotional pain is often rooted in misinterpretations, lies, embraced during life experiences. This can be the person's own assessment of it, or it can be what the perpetrator puts on the person. This wouldn't have happened to you if you wouldn't have dressed that way. It's your fault. If you weren't so pretty, I wouldn't have to do this. Okay? Why do you think so many gay women, and they say, don't call me gay. I'm not gay. I'm mad. I'm telling you. I've worked with them. Three out of four have been molested as children. If I'm too pretty, if this is what I get for being feminine and pretty, I won't be. I won't be. Okay? So you want the cure for the problem? Go to the root. I had one person who was molested by both genders, and she, she said she preferred women because they were gentler. So she went in that direction. It is real. And it is the devil. Do you understand? He wants to do this to innocence. If he can plant a lie innocently, he can just stand back and watch self-destruction. We got his number, folks. We don't have to do this. We don't have to let him win this anymore. Please hear me. This is not to say that some emotional pain is not due to what is happening in the present, but there are often historical roots as well. God's grace is sufficient. When it seems not to be sufficient, it's because it's the past lies coming into the present that he wants you to deal with. God, you promised me you would not give me more than I can bear. I prayed this so many times. I can't bear this. You know what his answer was? I have much more to tell you, but you can't bear that right now. My grace is sufficient for right now. Just take my grace and walk it out. You are bearing it. You're going to get through it, even if it's in heaven. You're going to get through it. The answer is, Lord, why is this all this emotion? Where is this coming from? Okay? Our emotions tend to match what we believe. If I'm feeling something, then I probably believe something. This is at the root of the emotion. Now listen, 
There are truth-based bad feelings. Grief and regret. That's based on truth. What does God do for that? He bore our grief. So when we recognize it's grief, and it can be very interesting grief. It can be grief as a result of not having the good stuff. Okay? Have you ever felt like something was really missing? There's a movie. I don't recommend many movies, but there's a section in that movie, and I'll probably start crying when I tell you about it. It's When a Man Loves a Woman, and it's uh, Garcia and Megan. Look it up. She's an alcoholic. He's her second husband. She has a little girl from her first marriage. And he has got to separate from her. He can't, he's a, a pilot, he flies, he can't continue in it. He is aiding and abetting her alcoholism. And he realizes it. He has to step out, separate. And he goes to the little girl who's already wounded from the father that abandoned her. And he sits in a swing in a park. Gets me every time. And he tells her how much he loves her and that she will always be his little girl. He affirmed her and affirmed their relationship. And you can call me anytime. Here's my number. And I will call you every time I come back from a flight. And I will see you often. I grieve never having that. Thank you, Lord. Take this grief. He won't take it because he wants me to share it with you. <laughs> it's for your comfort. There is many things that you didn't get that has caused you to grieve. Bring it to the Lord. Let him expose it with you and let him bear that grief for you. You don't have to live under that grief unless it has a purpose to comfort as we've been comforted. That's why it's still there. Okay? Here's your assignments. We're finishing a little early today because we're going to have some discussion. Let me give you the assignment, and then we'll look at the discussion questions. Get a tablet and a pen. You're going to do a sin list. If you've never done a sin list, I want you to do a sin list. When you say tablet, do you mean five-subject notebook? Could be. <laughs> Mine was pretty thick. <laughs> now listen to me, y'all. You have been forgiven. The moment you were born again, all this was forgiven. All past sin was forgiven. Anything you do in the next second... Or anything you do in the future, it's all forgiven. But it's still haunting you a little bit? Still coming back to you? Let's put it on paper. Pray asking the Holy Spirit to reveal any sin you need to confess. You don't go on a witch hunt. Lord, I'm trusting you to show me any sin you want me to confess. Now, you don't confess other people's sin against you. That's their sin. 
but you confess yours. Okay? List the sins on paper. Confess the sin out loud to God. But when you get through listing them, right at the bottom, look it up, 1 John 1, 9. 1 John 1, 9 says, If we confess our sins, if you know it, say it with me, He is faithful and just to forgive our sins. Not us, He's already done that. To forgive our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Next week you're going to see what that word forgive is. It's a pathmia. It means to cut off, send away. You don't want him to cut off and send you away. You want him to cut off your sins and send them away. <clears throat> now, there are some sins that you have confessed over and over and over, right? Yeah. And don't feel clean. Okay? When you finish this, you write 1 John 1, 9 across it. You burn it, you tear it up, you do whatever. It's under the blood. It's gone. Now, if Satan brings one up, take it up with my uh, lawyer. I don't, I don't discuss this. Jesus is your advocate. That's lawyer. Take it up with him. Say, I'm not discussing it. <clears throat> it's under the blood. It's cleansed. It's gone. It's as if it never happened. Justified. Just as if I never sinned. That's what it means. Christ paid the full price. But also, there are some things that aren't per se sin unless they are idols. That is a sin. So I want you also to do your declaration of surrender. I, Joanne Buckley, do hereby surrender all of the following to the Lord Jesus Christ. He is Lord of Lords and King of Kings and everything I am or I own, because I really don't own anything, or that is dear to me, I release into his loving and protective care. Romans 12, 1 and 2. Somebody read Romans 12, 1 and 2. And then the second page, there is a caveat at the bottom. Lord, if there be anything I fail to mention, I agree to surrender it also when you make me aware of it. Sign it, date it, Pray it back to the Lord. Give it all to Him. It's a heart contract, not just a head thing. You mean it. And there are going to be some things that are hard to give to Him. Very hard. Because you believe a lie. And what is the lie? I have to protect it and provide for it. God, let me share a little story about me. I have a three-year. Uh, I had a three-year-old son. He fell. I was a brand new Christian and knocked these two front teeth out. Called the dentist. They were hanging. He said, "Push him back in and give him an aspirin." And when you get home, we were in Shreveport. When you get home, take him to the dentist. I did what they said. He'd had aspirin before. No problem. I gave him an aspirin. He went to play, and about five, ten minutes, he comes down the hall. His eyes are slits. His face is huge. He can't breathe. I grab him up. I said, Tom, get in the car. Take me to the emergency room. And I try to maintain his airway 
getting him to the emergency room. He's got clear liquid flowing out of his nose. I had a friend, she's now with Jesus, who was the dean of nursing at Northwestern, was a roommate of mine. I called her. I said, I'm not objective. This is what's happening. Meet me at the emergency room. So she comes in, and she tells the little intern there what to do. She said, you need to use a litmus paper and see what this drainage from the nose is to see if it's spinal fluid. i about to lose it. I dismiss myself. His dad's in there with him, and I go to the bathroom because God is saying, Joanne, give him to me. You can't protect him. You can't fix this. You can't provide for this. Give him to me. And I said, Lord, you may take him. He said, that's true. Will you trust me? Give him to me. And I said, all right. He's yours. And I'm going to go back in there, and he may be dead. And if he is, he's with you. But he's yours. I went back in there. He's smiling, sitting up, talking to his daddy. About six years later, five years later, he's a very strong-willed kid. He's up in a sycamore tree on our three acres and won't come down and get in the bus. I call Sam. Sam, he's in a sycamore tree, and he won't come. To, is he Zacchaeus, Joey? And I said, no. He's rebelling, and he won't come down. What am I to do? He said, have you made it very clear to him he has to come down? Yes. He said, you go back out there, you make it very clear to him that he's going to be disciplined, and he better come down right now or the discipline will be greater. Okay. And then he said, I went and did that. He wouldn't come down. I called him back. <laughs> Sam, he won't come down. He said, lock the back door and call your neighbor and tell her not to give him any water. So I did. A few minutes later, I'm, I'm praying. I'm devastated. Because <clears throat> I had disciplined him in anger, and a lot of it was my fault. So I'm asking forgiveness from God. And God mm -hmm. spoke to my heart, and he said, there are going to be a lot of sycamore trees in this kid's life. Oh. In a few minutes after that prayer, I heard bang, 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 bang on the back door. <laughs> Mom, I think I poisoned myself. <laughs> now he's up there three hours in the heat. He didn't want to go there. He, he's stubborn. <laughs> and so he had pulled the bark off the tree and drank the sap and it was awful <laughs> and he thought he was poisoned so I let him in I gave him some milk to counter whatever it was and disciplined him and took him to school there were many more sycamore trees at 16 he woke me up at 2 o'clock in the morning this can't go online and he said, Mother, I had been working all day in nursing, and I was pooped. But I, you know when God wakes you up, you're awake? I was awake. And God said, this is between you and him. Don't wake up Tom. So I went with him, and he said, I got some stuff to tell you, and it's going to rock your boat. 
Honey, you can tell me anything. And he did. I led him through some renunciation of some stuff. He came to freedom. And Sam saw him, and he was with him as he came up, knows it all. Mm -hmm. And he said, what happened to him? He's different. I said, Jesus, he's free. He's free. And he's a godly man today with three beautiful children and a wonderful wife. The whole point, you have to surrender the most precious thing you own to the Lord because you cannot protect it. You cannot provide for it. That's your whole being, your own life, your own death, your own possessions, your children, your relationships, your job, your finances, your sex life, everything, everything that God brings to mind needs to be on this list. And you're going to feel something come off of you because what you do here says, I am no longer God, you are, and you're my God. And you are in charge. I'm a steward of this body, steward of everything you have given me, but you're the owner. And you are responsible, Lord. Thank you, because you are a responsible God. When I fail, you never fail. You got it? Okay, let's look at your questions on the first sheet. Do you understand how Satan uses lies of perception and slander? We have about five minutes to affect your belief system. Do you understand that a little better? Slander against your character, against your brother and sister in Christ's character. He's an accuser of the brethren. Have you suffered wounding by someone you trusted? I think probably most of us have to some degree or to a greater degree. Do what they said or do did continue to cause you? I don't know what that means. Probably does. Does what they yeah does what they said or did continue to cause you pain? I don't have a pen. Yes or no? Yes. See, you're a candidate for TPM. Do you understand how the lies of interpretation implanted by the enemy from the wounding continue to affect your view of the present? It's almost like you're wearing rose-colored glasses. I used to call them rejection glasses. I would walk into a room up here, say. I was free by the time we got here, but in a room. And I would see people talking over in the corner. You could not convince me they weren't talking about me. That was my, and if, especially because I'm outgoing, if I walk up there and they get quiet. You talk about bondage. Are they inspecting what I have on or how my hair looks or whatever? That's rejection. Are there things you've done that you do not feel God's forgiveness? You notice I said feel. When you know you're forgiven, you feel forgiven. Mm -hmm. If you're not feeling forgiven, it may not be sin you're confessing. It could be false guilt. 
When someone shames you, they put guilt on you that isn't yours. It's their guilt that you're wearing like a wet blanket. Okay? And you can confess that to your purple and it's not going to go away because you're not guilty. That is a robe of shame that he wants to replace with his glory robe of righteousness. And we run into that a lot in TPM. Are there things you have done that you do not feel God's forgiveness? I did that one. Do you understand the differences between the Greek words for forgive? You may not because I didn't go into it. I go into that next week. Uh, that's, not, that's in the wrong place. But I did introduce you to apathmia. Apathmia is to cut off and send away. And next week, we're really going to get into the difference between a trigger and a temptation. I hit on that last week. So I really covered that last week. Temptation is those paths in the flesh trained by sin that Satan tries to access. And it can be guilt that you've confessed or it can be... Um, I don't know, temptations to draw you to sin, whatever your, your variety was. Mine was tequila margaritas when I was depressed, okay? Which made me more depressed. <laughs> you have a high and then you have a real low. Okay. <laughs> so whatever, you know, if you're depressed, why am I depressed? What is it I'm believing? Because I'm believing something. And it can be a whole madre of things. A trigger is deeper and more. Deeper and more. When it's a temptation, you just, nah, I ain't going there. That's not me. That's not true. No. I submit to you, God. I'm resisting you. No. That's how you resist the devil. No. Yes, God. No. See? Yes, God, I'm complete in you. No, I don't need that. Chopaholics, I'm complete in you. That isn't going to make me complete. Okay? Um, that's temptation. Trigger, I'm overwhelmed. I'm shut down or I'm overwhelmed. Anger, hurt, whatever. That's the past coming into the present, and that needs to be dealt with. How do you deal with it in the moment? If you can... You're not driving and crying and da da da. You say, Lord, where's this coming from? Mm -hmm. Follow, just focus on the feeling. You'll go back to it. Sometimes you hear a song on the radio and then all this emotion comes up and it's not good emotion. Lord, yes, I remember that. What am I believing there, Lord? Just stay focused on the pain. And the belief will come forward. Lord, what's the truth? He'll tell you the truth or send you to another place, another memory, another pain, something. When all of it is unloaded, God will speak to it and it'll be gone. <clears throat> all right. Any questions? I have a question about the faith and regret that's based on truth. Yes. For the regret, 
Yes. Usually regret is I, sh I shouldn't have disciplined my children in anger. I regret that. I have done what God told me to do to reconcile with my children. So I've done that, but I still regret it. Mm -hmm. Lord, would you come and take this grief, this regret from me? Mm -hmm. Now, I've done what I had to do. Mm -hmm. So my part's been done. God's part is to bear that burden. Okay? Mm -hmm. So there are regrets. You have regrets concerning your husband. There are regrets. Some of them you had control over. Some you did not. The ones you do not have control over are griefs. Griefs. Regrets is things you should have done or shouldn't have done, and it's haunting you. Okay? If there's sin around it, confess it. If you still feel it, ask God to come bear that regret. If he doesn't take it right away, he's going to show you some more. Okay? Anything else? I just introduced you to transformation prayer ministry. There's a lot more to it. I've noticed that transformationprayerministry.org is up, but it's limited. Um, it's going to be added to. You can still go to theophostic.com. But transformationprayerministry.org is coming up online, and it'll, it'll be added to. That's going to be a nonprofit, whereas .com was a for-profit. Lord, I just thank you for these ladies, and I thank you so much that you love us enough to be so intimately involved in our lives to touch us where we need touching, to allow the enemy to sift us like wheat. He's under your power, Lord. But he has been given permission, like you gave for Peter, to sift us like wheat so that the lies will be exposed, not to hurt us, but to free us as we bring them to you. But Father, I also know that there are deep wounds that only your Holy Spirit can heal. Because even when the lies go, the hurt is there. And we ask you, Holy Spirit, to come and heal those hurts. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You are so welcome, friend. Do your homework.